the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. And Jesus said to them, But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to, t to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Welcome to the new year. We closed our last year celebrating Christ as King in glory, and we begin this year in expectation of the fullness of this already and not yet promise. Our lectionary for this year leads us into the Gospel of Mark. We'll let two lenses guide us through the gospel this year. First, we'll let the way that Mark structures his gospel guide us. In characteristic Markan directness, it starts. The beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of Man, or the Son of God, will follow as Mark makes the case for Jesus as not only the promised Messiah, but also the Son of God. The promise of Jesus as the Messiah culminates in Peter's confession, you are the Christ. And the story of the Son of God culminates in the confession of the centurion at the foot of the cross. Truly, this man was the Son of God. We will also look at Mark's gospel as it may have been used in the early church as a baptismal text read to the candidates for baptism during the vigil before their baptism on Easter morning. Picture, as you will, in a cave, darkened, the gospel of Mark performed by candlelight, waiting for Easter morning when the candidates would be baptized, and ending at the cross, a beginning at the font. We'll consider the way that this text may be an essential description of faith, a catechism, if you will, as well as a reminder of the story of the future into which we are baptized, and 
warning for those who would accept Christ of the challenge and persecution that following Christ entails. A challenge that we all too often forget in the comfort of our 21st century church. We begin our journey into the new year in this season of Advent, a season of longing, of expectation, and of repentance. This year, we'll let the epistles from our lectionary guide our Advent journey. These epistles are written to a church in waiting, a church facing the end of the apostolic age, a church growing impatient for the promised return of Christ, a church attempting to assimilate a new generation of believers from multiple cultures and multiple stations in society, a church that is tempted by the cultural around them, tempted to look elsewhere for good news and for hope, a church truly not that different from our own. Over the next four weeks, we'll see how these epistles speak to the church in waiting, how these epistles direct the eyes of the church in the first century and the 21st century, first to the cross, then to the coming Christ, then to our own preparation, and finally in the fourth week of Advent, directing our eyes to the glory of God. So today, we begin with Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, a church that is troubled by division and dissension, a church with rich and poor, Greek and Jew, a church struggling to live the gospel of Christ in the culture around them, a culture consumed by a quest for wisdom found in clever words, a culture where idolatry and worship of a variety of gods has social and economic implications, a culture in which influence was bought and built through patronage. Paul begins his letter to this troubled church by affirming the nature of his own authority. Paul, called by the will of God. Paul's source of authority is not civil. It's not imperial. It's not from anything of this world. Paul's authority is from the will of God. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. In a society of patronage, Paul identifies his patron as Christ Jesus and not one of the wealthy of the city. He continues by describing the nature of the church as well as the nature of the congregations within Corinth. You'll notice as I speak, when I talk of the church, I talk of the church, all of those who believe. When I talk about us, I'll talk about the parish. So the church is big, the parish is small. The church is big, the congregation is small. Paul writes to those congregations in Corinth, to the church of God. It's not the church of Paul. It's not the church of Apollos. It's not the church divided among a variety of influences. It's the church of God. Paul writes to the church that belongs to God, which happens to gather in Corinth and everywhere else that people call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a church troubled by division and dissension, a church that has its eyes on the things of this world and the differences among ideas, Paul directs their eyes instead 
to the one who brings unity, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul concludes his introduction by appealing to both Greek and Jewish ideals of religion. Grace for the Greek and peace for the Jew. Instead of choosing sides or elevating one above the other, Paul combines the two into a single beautiful blessing. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul uses his prayer to introduce the rest of the letter and reorient the focus toward the power and purpose of God. God who gives grace and enriches with gifts as a confirmation, not of the person, but of the gospel. God who sustains us guiltless in faith as we wait until Christ returns in glory. God who calls us into fellowship with Jesus. Paul will go on to describe this fellowship as fellowship with Christ crucified and Christ raised from the dead. Paul directs the eyes of the church at Corinth to the cross, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Today, as we begin our journey of longing, expectation, and repentance, Paul continues to direct our eyes to the cross. Imagine Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, to the church of God that is in San Antonio, a church troubled by division and dissension, a church divided into denominations, and even those denominations often split among factions. A church that too often sees personal holiness and community engagement as polar opposites. A church that struggles to both love God and love neighbor. A church struggling to live the gospel of Christ in the culture around them. A culture consumed by a quest for wealth and power. A culture of shallow wisdom that rarely digs beneath the catchy soundbite or clever meme culture where idolatry and worship of a variety of gods, from the gods of self-satisfaction to the gods of secular nationalism wrapped in a quasi-religious platitude, that idol worship still has significant social and economic implications. A culture in which influence is still bought and built through patronage, whether the old-fashioned way through monetary donations, or the new-fashioned way of clicks and likes. We're so quick to sell ourselves. I think Paul would still direct our eyes to the power and purpose of God, manifest in fellowship of the cross, so that we may be blameless on that great and glorious day when Christ returns. So, this first day in Advent is also one of those days in the church calendar that we read the exhortation between the prayers of the people and the confession. These words that encapsulate our doctrine of the table. We'll move from hearing the words of Paul to the church to hearing the words of Paul to this parish and to each of us. We'll hear the call to self-examination before we come to this table. We'll hear the call to repent, to turn from the lies of the world to the truth of God, to turn from our futile attempts to find wisdom, gifts,
power, glory, health, any of those things, in the passing things of this world instead of in the eternal things of the kingdom of God, to turn instead and find our hope and our identity in the love of God. And so, as we begin our Advent journey together, may we come to this table trusting in nothing except the cross of Christ. Foolishness to those who are perishing, but the power of God to those of us who are being saved. The instrument of death and shame transformed by love into an instrument of hope by which Christ defeated shame and death. That same power, that same power that raised Christ from the dead frees us from our bondage to sin and to death and opens our hearts to praise as we receive the body and blood of Christ, that we may dwell in him and he in us. And then, let us go into the world with longing and expectation and repentance. Longing for the return of Christ in the fullness of the kingdom of God. Expectation that this day of return is closer today than it was yesterday or ever before in history. And repentance, turning our attention from the troubles and temptations that may surround us and turning toward the power and the promise of the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.